Play it, play it, play it, play it. We are gay like a fruit. We are looking like a snack. You are listening to Fruit Snacks. Here we go. <laughs> Another week of exciting fun. Drama. Drama, 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 drama. Hey guys, I am Brian. And I'm Shane. And you are listening to Fruit Snacks. Do we want to start this episode? What do you mean? Should we get into it? Oh, let's get into the gush. So what kind of gay shit do you want to get into today? Um, well, there's been an overload of gay shit circulating around RuPaul's Drag Race because right now they are overloading fans with hours upon hours of Drag Race every Friday night. Literally hours and hours <laughs> upon Drag Race. At first it was just an hour of drag and then now it's an hour and a half because they extended episodes, then a 30 minute segment of Untucked and then what, an hour and a half Additional episode of now RuPaul Drag Race <laughs> celebrity, <laughs> but really, are they really celebrities? <laughs> They're well, like, you know, we're not going to talk about the whole episode, so don't worry if you're not interested in Drag Race. We're just going to talk about one pivotal character on it, but give them some backstory, Shane. Okay, um, so on last week's episode, they had the first, uh, per- like the premiere of RuPaul's Secret Celebrity Drag Race, and one of the celebrities on it was. Nico Tortorella. Nico is most well known for uh, Younger. It's a show on TV Land. Um, <laughs> TV Land is that still? Yeah. A network. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so just for future reference in this in this uh, segment, Nico Tortorella prefers they them pronouns. So their role on Younger, referring to Nico here, is sort of like this cis white like straight male heartthrob if you will anyways uh nico was on the show and was sort of overplaying the whole gay queer centric role yeah on the episode and it came across really inauthentic and we were watching it sort of annoyed well here's the thing with this is that i think the premise of the show is to take straight men and put them in drag to kind of like See how they do one, but also kind of like um, shine light on that idea of like gender is more of like a costume and how you actually feel and who you actually are is completely different on the outside than it is inside. I know that seems a little vague, but um, a lot of these straight men were kind of like having these profound feelings of bumping up their femininity because I feel like that is suppressed, right? Um, A lot Mm. of straight men don't show the feminine side of their personality or whatever. So they were kind of having these like profound feelings throughout the episode and they all had this story arc of like, wow, this is crazy. I feel more of myself being feminine than I did in a masculine way. Cause really we're all performing our gender. Right. Yeah. And Nico throughout this whole episode really was performing <laughs> gender. Um, I don't mean in drag, but just like really hamming it up. Yeah. Which for the record, Nico doesn't identify as straight from what I know. Uh, Nico identifies as like, well, last I heard on, Nico's podcast, uh, it was like a gender queer or queer in general. Okay. Sort of label. Um, oh, you know what? I know what, what else he's on. MTV, that tattoo show where the f- best friends tattoo horrific. Yes. Nico's a host on that. Yeah, he's yeah. he's a host with Snooki. So that's where he comes from too. But 
So um, I was scrolling through Twitter the following day and knowing that you and I were kind of annoyed with with how he was Nico portraying, portraying himself. Yeah, Nico portrayed himself, their self, they self. Oh, fuck. Uh, I saw a comment on Twitter that sort of sparked a whole thread of conversation, but the thread started with a uh, a username, Philip Henry, who's blue uh, checkmark certified, that said, Nico Tortorella is the Rachel Dolezal of queer people. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it just sort of verified that we weren't the only ones feeling the way that we felt. Yeah. Um. Well, let's give a little backstory on Rachel Dolezal. As... Well, wait, the comment, just really quickly, okay. the comment underneath said, my life has not known more peace since someone called Nico Tortorella the Rachel Dolezal of the LGBT <laughs> community. When I heard that. <laughs> Mind you, they're tagging Nico. <laughs> they tagged Nico's profile on this. Um, when I heard that, I was like, absolutely, that kind of sums it up. Just to give you a little backstory of who Rachel Dolezal is, if you don't know, a couple years ago, she was a woman who worked in like um, the NAACP and she was a white woman who was posing being black, realistically. Um, not that she was like, no, she was trying to be black. She said she was black. She <laughs> said she identified as a black woman. A black woman, but ha- like her parents both are white. white. She is white. Um, but I guess she connected so much so with the black culture that she thought she um, ultimately was black. Yeah. I mean, which sparked a conversation in how people can identify themselves yeah because anybody can say that they're queer or you know whatever but can you identify as a different race like can you claim (laughs) blackness can you claim being asian like whatever so anyways um it felt very that because nico literally was like performing i don't know how to explain it i feel so like very stereotypical gay roles i feel um which to some people is very authentic but as a viewer, it does not feel authentic because the second Nico was interacting with the other male contestants, it almost seems like there were moments where those those playups on those roles didn't exist anymore, and it was very like, "What's up, buddy?" Uh-huh. And that felt very authentic. Sure. Um, the other issue that was brought up uh, within that episode was Nico defending doing drag not tucked, which means not pulling your penis back to make it look like you have a vagina to call out uh, the, or to, to honor the women in his, in their life. Oh my God. in Nico's life uh, who are trans and yeah. still have penises, but still identify as women. And there was a contestant that used to be on drag race uh, who goes by Gia Gunn. She is now a trans woman. Um, when she was first on the series was not out as trans um, but came back for an all-stars uh, season and did identify as a trans woman and tried to bring up this conversation and was sort of like left on the editor's room floor um, instead of being like highlighted as a, as a central storyline for being trans on Drag Race. So anyways, there was a post on Twitter and it says... Um, Oh, by the way, the the account that posted this is the morally corrupt Faye Resnick. <laughs> I hate Faye Resnick from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Anyways, um, they said Drag Race Celebrity was cute and entertaining. However, letting white and very much masculine presenting Nico Tortorella go on about trans rights and how they want to go without tucking. Whilst y'all cut Gia Gunn, Gia Gunn's actual conversation about trans rights with RuPaul was a choice. So basically calling out production at that point for allowing 
somebody who's maybe a little more comfortable in the in the realm of like the straight world bring this conversation up and not an actual trans woman um was like was wrong of them so like to bring this out past um the show because i feel like it's not interesting if you don't watch the show but it's almost like letting someone voice what people have been saying for the longest time only because they seem like it's coming from a mouth that's more digestible yeah. you know it's almost like um Kind of like how the protests are going right now. I mean, like, yeah. granted, like, everyone's looking crazy protesting the stay-at-home ban, but, like, people are coming in with guns in, like, state capitol buildings who are white and not getting, uh-huh. you know, arrested or anything. But if, like, black people came in like that, you know, it would be all ham. Be and it's, like, it's the dead. same thing. It's, like, someone like Nico, and I think this is where people are upset, is, like, someone... The representation of Nico being that that white, digestible, masculine feeling, uh, um, attractive man. It's like an interesting story arc to be different and to be queer. But mm-hmm. people who've been trying to push this message who are different and queer, but the way they look might not seem as like digestible and mainstream. They don't want to hear that message or story be, right. be told. Yeah, right. And like it's it kind of goes beyond that too because I feel like drag and stuff like that is obviously very radical before it became mainstream and now these guys who are on the show are getting praised for doing the bare minimum literally just showing right. up in a dress and like you're so brave being here blah blah when years and years of this for like lgbt rights and stuff people have been doing this and been killed for it mm-hmm. and now these people are getting praised and so that's where the juxtaposition of like what the fuck and i yeah. think nico is like the poster child for that frustration Mm -hmm. and that's what makes it difficult and like i think he does a lot of good because i think his heart is in the right place totally but it also sucks because he realistically doesn't have to live the life when it comes down to it because he isn't really like that radical yeah i mean i can attest to listening to nigo's podcast they always had on um guests who were trans or of color or disabled yeah um so there was really a platform for the other communities if you will given through what work nico was putting out right um so i do have to commend nico for that it's just it's hard because well again we don't know that there wasn't other conversation had because i was gonna say like if nico called out the show whilst being on the show for being like, I don't think that Gia Gunn's uh-huh. story was highlighted enough. So I'm here to represent on behalf. You know what I mean? But maybe, maybe Nico did say something like that and it was cut out and yeah. we don't know, you know, but it's, it almost now looks like Nico gets the credit for all of like what you were saying for all of the work that people have put in. Right. You know, and now Nico gets to come in and walk on the backs of those people and be like the savior for, for bringing this to life. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't even feel like it's about Nico though. Do you know what I no. mean? And that's where I'm like, the show, regardless, whatever, it's like, that's the frustrating point behind it all is that people aren't heard because they're not the ones that are like, I don't even know how to put it in words, to be honest, but I feel like I felt this way in life previously. Mm. Um, In regards to what race? I don't know. Race, sex, Mm. like so many different things because I fall into all these like, Asian, but not Asian, black, but not black, you know, gay, but not gay. And I feel like it's always that case where it doesn't matter until it affects the right group of people. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. I will say as a white man, it is, it is hard sometimes. Like I actually posted about those protests happening in Michigan this morning Uh on Instagram. But before I posted, I reached out to a uh, black friend of mine who also posted about it. And in that message, I said, I know it is not your responsibility to help me right now, but I would really appreciate your help so that I get this wording right. Um, because I don't want to post on my Instagram almost like on behalf of a community. I want to make sure that I do it more so in a way that's educating white people, not sounding like I'm speaking for black people, if that makes any sense. Um, And I think it's more about doing work, um, not for others, but it's doing work within your own community, knowing that you're not a mouthpiece for any one given subsect of people Mm -hmm. like but it is your job to educate people who are maybe ignorant to a conversation or a subject matter i feel like okay let me pause you there i don't feel like it's in anybody's job to educate anyone it's your job to be wanting uh it's your job to want to be educated do you know what i mean because i feel like it's annoying when people like love to speak on everyone's behalf and i'm not saying you but just in general because i feel like it always falls on deaf ears and people like yeah i see what you're saying but blah 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 but it's like as much responsibility is on the sender to give out that message, there's more responsibility on the receiver, right? Because if you're For not, sure. if the receiver's not open to receiving the message, then there's no, it's like, does a tree fall in the woods? Can anybody hear it if no one's around? Do you yeah. know what I mean? And it's very that. So I'm like, when you talk about these political issues or whatever, I feel like the responsibility falls on the people who are receiving it. And I don't feel like anyone wants to receive messages. Yeah, but I will also say I feel like a shitty white friend if I see my black friends posting about this and I don't feel the need to speak up at all. Sure. Does that make sense? No, I, I get it. Yeah. And again, like for you to say you need to speak up and then uh, this is the way you want to show your support. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that's wrong or yeah. bad. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. But no, I, I'm saying this... why as a sender of information, I right. feel the need to be in that role because I know when it comes to gay rights, I like when other people speak on it whether people are reacting or responding to it or not and you know what's funny is most of the people who replied to what i posted are people of color (laughs) yeah yeah but i I, like that's the thing it's like i almost feel like it's weird because like especially on the extreme left side as people love to say it you know as snowflakes um and i say us because i lean more to the left but i don't think i'm like extremely left but the regardless regardless of all of that is that i just feel like I hate that people are, like, wanting to put everyone on this, like, barometer of social goodness, you know? And it's like, if you don't support everything or, you know, are open-minded or blah, 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 you fault yourself in one area, you're a bad person. And I'm like, that's not necessarily the case. And again, this is, it might sound like babble because it is kind of babble because I feel like it's bringing a lot of thought and emotion in my mind right now. So it's a very candid moment for me right now. But I just feel like people... Um, it's just kind of annoying. I don't know why I feel so irritated about it right now. What's annoying? That like, I feel like we're always trying to nitpick an issue and I get the message and I understand that conversations need to be brought up to be for thing for change to happen, for growth, right? Yeah. For growth and all that. But I just beg to say that it needs like the responsible, the responsibility needs to fall on the receiver because we can say all these things and then we can agree to what is being said, but then nothing changes. Mm-hmm. And that's because the receiver doesn't do anything about it. You know what right. I mean? And that whatever that is, that receiving next step, I'm not saying that you need to post on your Instagram and stuff like that, but I'm saying like 
you need to live into that truth of what you're trying to say you are. You know what I mean? And I think the receiver needs to take a step back and be like, okay, how am I, like, if this bothers me, what am I doing to perpetuate this message in the wrong direction? Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like that insight happens very often because I think we're quick to be like, yeah, that's wrong. But then we still do it. It's almost like being like, oh, I shouldn't eat that cinnamon roll, but I'm still going to do it. Do you get what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? And like, when you're like, well, you were eating bad. It's like, then you start making excuses like, well, yeah, I had a cinnamon roll, but I had salad. So it's fine. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's, uh, and again, this is all in my mind right now, but um, I'm ho- I hope this makes it sense. <laughs> but I feel like that's what happens with social issues too, where it's like we see the problem, but we don't want to change the habit that perpetuates that problem. So then we make excuses as why it's okay. And it's I'm a good person because I can acknowledge it, but acknowledging mm-hmm. it is the first step, changing it is the next step, you right. know? And I, I don't feel like change wants to happen. And I know habits are hard to break and it takes a while for things to change. But like to bring up this whole thing with Nico, I agree as as obvious as it was said earlier like we both were irritated yeah but i'm not irritated to the point of like wanting to reach out and shit on him because i'm like if i look at his message is it the person who should be saying it maybe not but because those people who should be saying it aren't yet able to say it yes let mm-hmm. him be this the scapegoat for that but then also like you can't shit on things when he's coming from a community or for a community that you clearly are part of yeah and you're still shitting on him for doing it and i feel like black people do that too where like for you you know you have to you fear that you supporting black people you have to like be pc and mm-hmm. all these things but i'm like shane not and this is just coming from me but like because i know that your heart's in the right direction it doesn't matter but i also think that it's annoying that you should even have to worry about wanting to stick up for people right because realistically again it's my job to receive that message in a way that i think is appropriate Mm -hmm. and if i think there's a learning moment for you then of course i'll express that but that's coming from a friend's yeah heart or love but regardless like I don't know. I just feel like it's very frustrating because I feel like we're going back and forth with like... Well, it all goes back to, like, I always bring up pick your fucking battles. Yeah. Like, the way that we like to attack people who are trying to do good. And you can... I feel like if you're if you're any normal functioning adult, you can understand when somebody's coming from a good place. Whether or not it it translates that way, I feel like anybody should have the words to acknowledge what they were trying to do and maybe be like, hey, I totally see and support what you were trying to say. This is maybe how you can say it better. Mm-hmm. But to but to drag somebody down for miscommunicating what their purpose was, mm-hmm. I just feel like it's so, um, it's so backwards. I agree. Because they're speaking not necessarily on your behalf, but for the good or the betterment of a situation. Yeah. I don't know. It it that really irks me more than anything is yeah. is jumping on people who are on your side. And and I feel like this begs for a bigger conversation yeah. than the amount of time we're giving it right now. Um but yeah. <laughs> I feel like this conversation definitely is a little bit confusing and I'm sorry if we went in a big roundabout way, but I feel like this is a good conversation especially when you reflect on your own life. Right? Like yeah. I feel like I don't know. I would want, I would love to hear other opinions if any of this one made sense. But then if it did, like your stance on this, like social warrior that I feel like is social media produces, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it's easy to post a picture that is super radical and then you get 101 comments of back and forth battling that is very um, divisive. Is that the correct word? Where it just like kind of like makes you draw your line in the sand when really it's like it doesn't, conversation's great, but it doesn't create solutions. It Mm -hmm. just like, creates problems and then you're like well yeah see it's bad but it's like okay then let's talk about what the next step is and i don't feel like the next step is ever spoken about it's just Mm -hmm. like well i know it's wrong so yeah mm, you know it's like okay where's the resolution yeah um 
I would say that's it for that. Okay. Well, I do think that that, that brings, that drudges up like a much bigger conversation, but it all just stemmed from a seemingly white cis man on Drag Race. <laughs> I feel like this theme is going to pop up again sometime near in the future. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but how about we just get into some foreskin? Great. Hey guys, so <laughs> I'm kind of really excited about this next episode. Um, y'all dirty bitches who listen love when we talk about sex. <laughs> I don't think this is going to be sexual. No, probably I don't not. think so. Well, but, it'll probably get sexual. It probably will get sexual, which I'm really excited about. The topic is not sexual, though. That makes it sound like, sound like perverts. Yeah. <laughs> but um, before we get into it, let's introduce our next guest, Dom Yapes. Say hey. What's up, everyone? <laughs> this is so weird. I'm finally here. You better put on your straight voice, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> mask for mask in the house. <laughs> Call me. So, you guys, we brought Dom on um, as an unofficial expert <laughs> because he wanted to really talk about things that are near and dear to his heart. And what is it that you wanted to talk about on our podcast? Circumcision. Ah, uh, same. <laughs> Shane's, Shane's about to have a field day. But before we get into the real meatiness of the episode, let's go back so that the, the <laughs> listeners, no pun intended, right. let's go back um, so that the listeners understand kind of where we began as friends and how we got to this point. So do you want to explain how we know each other? Sure. So uh, we started at Disney, what, almost 10 years ago? No. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. Like eight years ago, which is crazy. We're all in parades. Mm-hmm. Back then, I know they're gonna bring it up. Back then, I was dating a girl. <laughs> Wait, were you? I yeah, was. he was straight. Who? I was not straight. Wait, was he she was straight? Queer. No, bitch. Was she at Disney? <laughs> she was not at Disney. Oh. She was like my high school sweetheart. Um, Maybe I did know that. Damn. Yeah. yeah. That's probably why I think I was like so intimidated by just I think gay people in general. So uh, Disney was like a crazy chapter for us. But that's where I met you guys. I don't think we were like super close. We weren't we were close, like, yeah. Like we would talk here and there. I think I was kind of friendly. I remember two things about you. So we worked at Disney, but we did two separate parades and then we did Sensational together and we both were chimney sweeps. And I remember one day- I All was three there. of us were chimney sweeps. Well, I mean like, yes, okay. I know, but all three of us were chimney sweeps. <laughs> okay, you guys, Shane, welcome to the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but the two of us, we were um, doing chimney sweep one time and it was like in between first and second parade. And I remember sitting there and you kept looking at me in like a I I was feeling like a flirty way and I was like what the fuck but I knew you were straight <laughs> and I was like I remember talking to you Shane and being like you were still I, straight and sound yeah I wasn't straight he was straight he was straight I had a girlfriend still in sensational that's when I because you had been there I for a couple of years at that point oh, he was when straight did, straight to the next open. dick we broke up in 2013 what that's when sound open oh, so yeah so you were still straight you know sound open before that because I left Disney right. in 2012, you're right, you're right. and I had already yeah, done sound. Yeah, because MAP opened 2013. Yeah. yeah. Sound opened 2011. Yeah. Yeah. So you were straight. Damn. And so I remember you were like, give me flirty eyes. I remember asking you, you probably don't remember this, because, you know, I, I always think everyone's into me, but I was like, I feel like Dom's like, kind of like giving me like flirty <laughs> eyes. And you're like, oh, I don't know. I fucking hate you. And I and I remember, I remember we were sitting on the, um, the water cart. You know how there's that one cart with all the water yeah. and you were sitting in the cart and I was like talking to you and you were just like, you just kept looking and I was like, what? And you're like, nothing. And I was like, 
bitch, I see the, I see what you're throwing at me. <laughs> she likes melanin. <laughs> and then um, the second time, I remember dancing back up for, um, at Club Lucky for the drag queen. What does she go by now? Asia Madison? Lucky Madison. Lucky Madison. And um, Asia Madison. Well, her original name was Asia. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. Um, but we were part of the flirt <laughs> show and we danced to a Britney Spears number. And I remember we were dancing opposite. And. <laughs> He's gonna bring on my ass. Yeah, yeah. Okay, y'all. Dom has like such a big ass, fat ass. I remember dancing next to you, and every time we like hit this pose where we would stop moving, <laughs> everyone would stop moving, but his ass would keep going. It still happens. Yeah, it does. But now me and Dom work at Map together. Map well, together. now we don't work together. Unemployment. <laughs> Unemployment. Woo-hoo. I work for California. <laughs> <laughs> staying at home. Exactly. Um, how are you doing during this quarantine time? Uh, that's a hard question. So, like, the first couple weeks uh, was rough because my boyfriend had COVID, like I told you guys already. Mm-hmm. So, that was rough. Um, he's a nurse at Cedar sinai So, and then after that, I just couldn't see my family. I'm, like, super close to my family. So, it was rough not being able to see them weekly. And then... When I wanted to see them on like Easter, there's just like a guilt that I felt like I it wasn't worth the risk for seeing yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And even if I was there, I feel like I wouldn't enjoy myself because I would be there with my family, but like low key worried about just infecting my parents. They're in their seventies, so to me, it just wasn't worth it. So fortunately, I live with my boyfriend, so we have two dogs, and we live right across from a park. So I have a lot of privilege. I'm comfortable, and yeah, it's it's been rough, but I think. People have it way worse, so mm-hmm. shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, since our show is closed at Disney, and you don't have another job, right? No. Are you um, on unemployment? Yes. And are you getting the extra 600 stimulus, too? I am. Ooh, she's making money. <laughs> I know, ironically. <laughs> are you making I'm more? I'm making more money right now than I was like yeah. at Disney. And right before this, I was taking prereqs at school. Uh-huh. So I was in school Saturday, Sunday, only working map Friday, Monday. Yeah. So, bitch, I was living off like pennies like 350 i was literally making rent right and my sugar daddy so right <laughs> i know that's like a lot of the things too with me and flying like i don't know if i want to take the leave or not like the the adult of me is like let's keep a job but then the the easiness bitch of me is like no take the leave because there's not enough flights for us to cover so i could be making more on unemployment with that 600 stimulus which i think shane you mm-hmm. realized as well yeah. which is why you took it i know we keep talking about leaves but um I hear that story with a lot of people is that people are making more money on unemployment than they are actually working. I don't know if I would trade it. I I think I would trade it back though because I just – staying at home is – that's rough. It is rough. You get challenged with all your inner demons come out. I have to, I make lists now. <laughs> all of a sudden, like she's brand new. <laughs> like all of a sudden, the, the sun comes up at eight. I usually can sleep until like eleven, easy, and it's like eight thirty. I'm like Cinderella, <laughs> like birds are chirping. I'm like ready to go. It's so crazy, such a mess. But I think everyone is having the same experience. Yeah, I'll wake up and be like, should I should I start my day? <laughs> I'm like, no, I go back to bed. Yeah. Um. So let's get into what we wanted to talk about. Um. Did you want to lead this conversation first, Shane, since you're so um, enthralled in uncut wieners? <laughs> no, not wieners. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Well, Dom, so what can you tell us about like just the history of circumcision? Like anything that you know on the history of it? Okay. So I've listened to a lot of podcasts. Like every source is kind of biased. And then there's also that Netflix special, which was called American Circumcision. 
Um, is it still what? on Netflix to still watch it? On Netflix. I have not watched, watched that. It. Okay, no. So that Adding it to my of, list. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of like my first like kind of educational background on it. So there's a lot of reasons. So, you know, obviously the people that do it for religious reasons are the Muslims and Jews. Yes. Which is great. I kind of don't want to talk, talk on that because if that's a religion and that's your thing. Then go well, can it. I ask a question on that? I know that you're not an expert in that because you don't identify with either religion. But with that, maybe, you know, is there a reason why they do it for religious purposes? Is it just like ceremonious? It's ceremonial, I think. Okay. I know it's on ceremonial. The, <laughs> I, I know it's done on the eighth day. I'm not sure which one. For Jewish. For Jewish. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I know that's there's something there. Um, but as far as I listened to a podcast, like I, I don't want to get too much into dates, but they said circumcision barely started in America like a hundred years ago. It was not like a normal practice. Okay, yeah. so it's pretty recent. So it's pretty recent, and. It's kind of like, as far as like history wise, it was kind of like mixed with religion reasons. And then it became this whole thing of hygiene. So then um, medicine in America was promoting it. And then you had the whole HIV epidemic. So then they were saying like it was going to prevent you from getting HIV. Um, so I don't know too much about like why it started and what background, but there's a lot of skeptical thinking that. It was kind of like correlated with preventing of masturbation, which if you think about like a hundred years ago, yeah. Christianity in America is huge. Like you're not there trying to prevent any way from you to explore your sexuality. Religion loves to just take fun out of life, huh? Yeah. <laughs> they just really like to fuck with it. <laughs> Put all these rules. You can't touch yourself, bitch. <laughs> then why God make it feel so good? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, going back, when you say that it was like for... Um, reasons of like cleanliness explain why that would be on the table okay so foreskin if maybe some people don't know what foreskin foreskin's like uh here's the thing every time we go into topics let's act like we are dumb as fuck okay because i there's someone out there yeah there's someone out there probably is i'll be the dumb guinea pig and ask the dumb questions so foreskin what what okay so (laughs) you every penis every man is born with foreskin it's like um there's a lot of nerve endings there, and it's the part of the penis that covers the head. Okay. So if you don't even know if you're circumcised, look down. If you <laughs> see skin covering your head, then you're uncut. And if you see a mushroom, then you are cut. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the question again? Um, you said cleanliness. And oh, like- yeah, yeah. So um, people were correlating with that. So to clean uh, an uncut dick, you ultimately have to pull back the skin and wash underneath there. And there's like a, a kind of a, a, a gunk, which I've actually never experienced, but I've just read up on it called schmegma, where that it's just like buildup. So it's like, think of like any place in your body where like it's warm and moist, like, moist. like belly button, lint, belly button, armpit, armpit, even your teeth, like in between yeah. your gums, like those are just like places where bacteria can get in and it's external to your body. So obviously you just have to clean it. So people thought if you snip it off. <clears throat> you don't have to clean it anymore because it's naturally just going to be exposed to whatever you're washing and it takes away that like extra layer that where things can get caught up in. Right. Wait, yeah. Shane, don't you love schmegma and toast? Yeah. <laughs> it's schmegma toast. I have a jar in the fridge. <laughs> yeah. Anytime you hook up with a guy, you're like, wait, 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 let me get schmegma your schmegma preserves. Schmegma and Schmegma jam. <laughs> English love schmegma and marmite. <laughs> and Australians Vegemite and schmegma. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. Such a mess. So when do people usually get circumcised? What's like traditionally speaking on an average So that's like a path. thing of conversation. So if it was 
not cosmetic. If it was for religious reasons, it would be on the eighth day or blah, blah, so blah. So I read uh, Jews practice on the eighth day. Everybody else seems to fall within the first or second day after birth. Oh, so it's right away then. It's right away, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But current events, there's kind of like a new wave. I know we're kind of hopping around, but there is a, a new wave of like uh, intactivists and the um, American health organization or whatever, I don't know what they're called, but they no longer necessarily support circumcision. They now call it cosmetic. So in my sister's experience, I know with my nephews, they no longer, at least at that hospital, I think it's like Kaiser Downey, they no longer support it. So you have to make an appointment and come back two weeks later. Oh, dang. So that's like current event things, kind of like their way of making sure parents really want to circumcise their kids. Right. Because A, they're not a newborn, and B, they're two weeks old. So do you want to hassle, bring them to the hospital again to have like a cosmetic surgery? So that's like their kind of way of like leading people away from it sure interesting and i know the doctor came in gave her the whole spiel um and yeah hmm. so typically i think in past times there was a lot of pressure of like people coming in and um wanting to have their kids circumcised and the doctors would kind of push for it right away so it would happen like usually right after they're born or like the next day definitely before they left but um at least in the, my sister's experience i recognize that some hospitals are taking a different pathway I know for me, I mean, I don't know if you want to speak on this, but I'm cut also. But I remember the first time I saw an uncut penis, I was just like, oh, my God, what is that? Not because I was like grossed out or anything. You were in Germany, so you probably were the only one cut, right? Right. No, well, I was in Germany, but we were all Americans. But again, like growing up, you're not like, dude, are you cut or uncut? Especially if you don't even know how to like that. That's a thing. You know what I mean? Or ask that question. And I'm not like I suck dick now, but (laughs) I wasn't sucking dick in high school, you know, because my girlfriend would have been mad. (laughs) And yeah, (laughs) so so yeah, like I didn't know. And then even in porn, like I feel like majority of porn that's made comes from at least my experience comes from like an American kind of production house. And most guys in that realm have cut dicks. And Yeah. yeah, I've never really experienced it. Until my adult life. Now I've experienced it personally and like through pornographic imagery. But I remember the first time I saw it, I was just a little bit shocked. Again, not grossed out, but I was just like, I have no clue what the hell that is. You know, it was almost like the first time seeing a vagina. Where I was like, <laughs> oh, damn, what is that? You know, <laughs> I can't think back to like the moment where I realized I was first seeing an uncut dick. But I don't think that it shocked me as much as I hear it shocks other people. Like, girls especially are like, I didn't know what to do with it. And I'm like, what do you mean you didn't know what to do with it? Like, you pull the skin back the same... I fucking roll. I, you what? <laughs> I said I roll at girls that talk like that. Yeah. It's like a fucking pet peeve. Yeah. Like, I'd, first of all, you probably don't already, already don't know what you're doing anyway. Thank you. So you're trying to act like you know what to do. You, like, jacking off, like, <laughs> you want that harder? I'm like, bitch, <laughs> slow. This, this, like, r- r- ripping the skin off, the dick is bleeding. You're like, you like that, baby? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like porn in general, just like... Over the does, top. Overdoes everything. But kind yeah. of piggybacking on your experience of seeing uh, porn, mm-hmm. I think that might also have like an influence on like, imagine me being like a 10-year-old starting to watch porn. And that's kind of how I found out I was uncut by watching porn because everything, American porn was all, everyone's circumcised. Yeah. So I was like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Why does mine look different? Mm. Like there was no representation there. And that's kind of like a kind of a scary thing, I think, because being 10 years old, like yeah. you're coming into sexuality. You're like, well, then you're what like, you... I shouldn't be masturbating, but I, it feels good. And like all yeah. the things that go in your head. And then to add that on top of it, it's kind of like weird. that. And it's like an awkward conversation to bring up with your parents. Like, why does mine look, you know what I mean? Like, 
so I feel like you start to internalize it because you don't know how to externalize that. Totally. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, in, in a broader sense too, you can, you can relate it to like gay world. You know what I mean? Where we don't have representations of gay culture and then you internally have these feelings and you don't want to talk about it. And then that shame happens. So it's like if someone who is straight, who is uncircumcised, Feel, felt that shame now you know what it's like to be gay <laughs> you know just to bring it all one circle but but totally yeah i would imagine that that is like a hard thing to go through but i mean it, when you broaden it out to like porn in general i remember seeing porn and thinking holy fuck everyone's dick is so big Huge. yeah so big and i was like embarrassed because mine didn't measure up to that and i was like oh my god but then when you watch amateur porn you're like oh wait uh, no that's that's, that's, that's more cool. my yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, like, oh, other actors. yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly no. but that's again like we say like representation matters in every mm-hmm. sense of the world mm-hmm. or in every sense of the way because yeah you don't realize how much like maybe shame or you know underlying mental is- mental health issues can develop from like not seeing what you are in this world mm-hmm. yeah are you at this point like as an adult are you happy that you are not circumcised a thousand percent Brian <laughs> likes to say he probably says that all the time on the podcast a thousand percent no 100%. not a thousand three thousand three thousand yeah. <laughs> a thousand three thousand yeah three thousand <laughs> yes i am and it was like a long journey so like i was very embarrassed and in high school I remember people would ask, you know, like you start like asking your friends, like, are you cut or uncut? How big are you? I don't know if I had like gay friends. But... <laughs> you're you're the one starting the conversation. No, like, actually, <laughs> I straight dumb. He's like, dude, let me see your dick. <laughs> you're like ASL. Yeah. Age, <laughs> sex, location. Cut, uncut. ASLC. By curious. No, yeah. Yeah, it's me. Just me. Okay. You're like, oh, okay, well, let me go back to my girlfriend. <laughs> Exactly, bitch. So, yes, I am happy. Um, I've never had negative experiences sexually. Um, yeah, everyone everyone likes my dick, I feel. <laughs> so, I don't know if it's the foreskin or, you've been, like... You've been hanging out with Hodgin too much with her, with her bomb-ass pussy. Bomb pussy. <laughs> yeah, I've never had any complaints. And there are different, I think, like, types of foreskin. So, like, there's some that can't pull back. Right. And I think that's maybe where, like, some people have had negative experiences because if you can't pull your skin back, then all of a sudden, like, they might be more smellier. I don't know. I've never experienced that. Um, but that is actually referred to as phimosis, yes. inability to retract the foreskin. And then paraphimosis is the inability to return the foreskin to its original location. Oh, shit. I know um, uh, one of my really good friends, I'm not going to say the name because it's not my story to tell, but I know he got circumcised at 22. Mm. I know. He, My, like... from what I, speaking to him about it, I think it was a little bit of like that insecurity. Now, I think obviously it was earlier. Times have changed. Like you said, like doctors are now kind of steering away from it. I feel like people are more like, oh, you know, it's not a big deal. Not that it ever was, but there's like less of a stigma behind it. But at the time when he was debating if he should do it, I think he had a little bit of shame about it. But then also, um, same thing. He couldn't pull his foreskin back. And that's the thing. When a oh. dick is hard, that's uncircumcised, the skin naturally folds back and it looks normal. When completely you touch it, yeah. it looks completely the same. When you touch it, there might be more skin to it. But it's not like it's like having a third arm and like yeah. fucking hair. You know what yeah. I mean? It doesn't look crazy. And uh, But he couldn't pull it back. And I think that was part of the reason he got his snipped at like 20 mm. or 22 and he was like, that was the worst thing ever. Which like, yeah, which going into that, uh, it's like scientifically proven that the later in life that you get circumcised, the more difficult it is to recover from it. Oh, wow. 
um, like the more painful the surgery is and the recovery is versus like when you're a kid, like I was reading in it. So when you're a child, when you're a baby, uh, like an infant, um, and you're circumcised, it takes, uh, five to 10 minutes when you're an adult, it takes up to an hour Ooh, for circumcision. So I know. <laughs> I is is the hill time any different? Uh, it just said that the heal time is five to 10 days, but I'm pretty sure as an adult, it's up to like a month or so. I would think so. Yeah. Especially because as a baby, a baby's not getting hard. So their dick isn't it, stretching. There's in. so many less factors yeah. to, to They're not bring touching their the dick, equation. but for an adult, like getting hard at night when uh-huh. you're sleeping and stuff, I would imagine would rip that skin. Yeah. Ouch. I have a friend that I met in college and he was living in the Philippines. And I guess, I don't know if all Filipinos in the Philippines do this, but for him, he got circumcised at like twelve. Oh wow! It was like, and then he had like he said he wore like um, not like a cloth. That sounds stupid, but I'm sure there's something like a bandage or something, something like yeah. that. And he said it was horrible because like twelve, that's like when you're getting all your uncontrollable yeah, erections yeah. and all the things, and you're learning to masturbate. And imagine like circumcising then, like yeah, that's freaking crazy. Please. Well, I know we mentioned it, but we said that America usually does circumcision. Um, is it culturally a thing for different countries to either circumcise or not circumcise? Do you know? I don't know, but if I was going to say my opinion, I mean, it looks like the, at least the Philippines, like, I don't think they circumcised before, but they were colonized by America. So I feel like it, it has to do with that whiteness. I, I think there's Well, they weren't colonized by America, were they? They were colonized by, uh, Spain. Spain, yes. But, but we in essence, them. Exactly. After, I don't know the dates, fact check, but <laughs> insert here. Yeah, right. Um, but we, there's definitely like a lot of American whiteness. Yes. That we. There's control. influence there's in Filipino. Influence in sure. Philippines, yeah. So I'll say according to WebMD, uh, which I feel like people just have a big, or doctors have a big issue with because people like to self-diagnose. But just for the, the sake of facts, um, WebMD, WebMD states that um, areas with the highest rates are the Middle East, South Korea, and the U.S., and the areas with the lowest rates of circumcision are Europe, Latin America, and most of Asia. Mm-hmm. So pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, other than Africa, that wasn't mentioned, but pretty much everywhere. Coming from the camp of never being uncircumcised as like a knowing adult or an annoying human individual, can you explain what possibly the difference is of feeling and pleasure with being circumcised or uncircumcised? Ooh, okay. So that's like a complicated question maybe like your friend could answer it probably because he knows like a before and after true um but people have their own perceptions but i know there's like a lot of intactivists talk about the four powers of the foreskin Uh uh-huh which is one pleasure two protection three lubrication and four connection Uh uh-huh and i think those are all like vital roles of like how it helps your sexual experience can you explain each of those four just so that we're a little bit on the same page sure so like the foreskin has a lot of nerve endings so that is all the sensitivity Mm -hmm. um this is getting real vulgar but like if i were to touch just like my foreskin it's very sensitive and it, I could usually get an erection just from like playing with that versus mm-hmm. like I've noticed circumcised dicks. Like, I don't know what turns you on, but I don't think like touching your pee hole is like no, a feeling. No, you know what I mean? no. I feel like from my experience, just to compare, if I were to touch my dick, <laughs> this is getting way graphic, yeah. but I don't give a fuck. <laughs> if I were to touch my dick, I feel like most of the sensation comes from the rim of the head mm-hmm. rather than any other part of the exactly. penis. Yeah. And why do you think it's the rim of the head? Because if you notice like right underneath the rim of the head is kind of where they the foreskin, the foreskin. Yeah. yeah so there might be some people have a little bit of foreskin there like yeah. i've seen some penises where they kind of have like a little stretchiness and it's more sensitive there right. too because 
you're essentially when they're circumcising babies, it's so little. Like yeah. you're literally right. and they're like clamping it. It's like pretty crazy to think about. But um yeah. A protection. So think of it, I know they make a joke as a turtleneck, but like <laughs> it really does protect against like yeah. friction. So think of like your the head of your penis, like it's like rubbing against your underwear. Yeah. Some people go commando, that shit is rubbing on your jeans. Why do you look at me? I wear underwear jeans. now. <laughs> <laughs> But like it really is protection and it's like efficient because right. that's yeah. like part of your reproduction. Um, and I would imagine after time with like friction in your underwear and stuff, you would lose a little bit of sensitivity. Desensitize. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And also like it, it's another layer of skin that prevents from bacteria entering your body. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So although things can get dirty in there, but you just clean your dick. Like yeah. I don't understand with a big... I've never experienced an uncircumcised dick with like a bacterial issue. I feel like, like everybody washes it. Like I feel like it's the opposite because there's such a taboo about it that people call uncut mm-hmm. dicks dirty that we are probably a hundred times more clean with our dicks because we don't want to give an excuse for anyone to say like, Oh, that's dirty. You right. Know what I mean? Did anybody, did anyone teach you how to clean your dick properly? No. Okay. And I wish if I was, when I'm a dad, I for sure will have this conversation if I have a son Yeah. and I think it's very healthy. I think me and my dad didn't really have a conversation. I kind of like figured it out on my own. Um, even like coming to terms with sexuality and like masturbation, like I remember like, this is getting real graphic, but I remember like starting to pull back and like, when Mm. you're a kid, you can't really pull back. But I remember one night playing with myself and it literally pulled back all the way and it was like, (gasps) and then that's like. I was like me popping my cherry, bitch. Like, that was it. I was like jacking off every day for yeah. like six times a day. <laughs> but really, because after that, um, think of like a turtle. Like, they're... You're like, I can breathe. Yeah. <laughs> Your dick is like... <gasps> I'm alive. <laughs> so that brings us to the third one, lubrication. Like, it's like, it's like warm skin like i don't it's like the inside like your cheek let like, me ask this do you use lotion when you masturbate oh absolutely not okay yeah. see because i would have to if i didn't i would it would like burn in yeah. essence like and the difference when we uh, masturbate it's different because i like pull my foreskin over my head so uh-huh. i have the whole experience of shaft all all the way to my head yeah like skin covering and yeah Whereas people that are circumcised, you guys usually just jack off up to your head. Correct. Right? Yeah. You don't really like go past your head because you're like, uh-uh. oh, that's weird. Yeah. I you mean, c- you can, ahead. but I feel like for us, we we have to have – so like when I've masturbated and I've gone past the shaft, I have to have some sort of lubricant there. Yeah. Otherwise, I will essentially like burn that top layer of skin yeah. because it's just too dry. Yeah. You guys have the skin that – it's, it's essentially rubs over the head mm-hmm. and that is your protection. Mm-hmm. And you know, what's yeah. funny is like the guys that I've hooked up with who were uncut, the way they masturbate, I could tell that they're used to masturbating a uncut dick mm-hmm. because I feel like people who are uncut mm-hmm. will use the whole shaft, penis, head, everything. When, if you go too far below the head for us, you're just like almost like rubbing our arm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's yeah. no sensation. It just feels like you're just kind of like rubbing our skin. Yeah. Um, but like people who are cut, usually your hand stays around the head and that's the, the pleasure zone rather than the whole penis. Yeah. Well, a little tip. Just <laughs> suck it with your mouth and then jack off the bottom half. And usually that's the mm. way to do a cut guy. Work. Just for all you listeners out there. <laughs> all you moms out there. That- <laughs> should, should we go back and do another oral episode? <laughs> just Let's for uncut it. dicks? Yeah. <laughs> all right. And the fourth power we'll go is like connection. And I don't really know what this one means, but maybe there's like another, I don't know, 
I don't know. I don't understand that one. I'll be bold. I'll be honest about that one. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you get power from your foreskin because it makes you more manly. You got more dick. You got uh, chicharrones. Chicharrones. (laughs) I will say um, on the opposite spectrum, I have been with two guys who have almost been two cut. So like, I think that when they're flaccid, it's a fine amount of circumcision, but it's when they are hard that, I can tell trying to mess like trying to jerk them off that they their doctor snipped too much skin like there's no skin to pull back up at all so I don't know how that works and that's a problem you know too I mean? with circumcision because you're doing it with your baby and your dick grows mm-hmm. there's like so many theories about it like there people just don't know and a lot of people aren't honestly studying it but there's theories that like if you're circumcised your penis growth isn't like you're you can't fully grow to your fullest mm. potential because you have like skin there's not there's a tension there there's a tension yeah. there pulling yeah. it back not saying like if you have a small dick it's not like you would have a six inch dick and now you're stuck with two inches because you're <laughs> but like there is theories that there might be like some correlation between that sure and there is people that, that like it, it really hurts them yeah because they mm-hmm. are circumcised and well it's just like um when little babies get their ears pierced and when you grow into an adult the ear hole moves. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's probably the same kind of situation. Really? I yeah. Didn't know that. Uh, yeah, a lot of friends, but I I have a few friends who have the same situation where their their foreskin's a little too tight mm-hmm. and they question if it is or not because they're like sometimes it it does hurt. Yeah. Um which would be a little bit unfortunate. Well, I think that's most difficult when you come into contact with a new sexual partner because you know how your dick works mm-hmm. and you know what feels good, they don't. Mm-hmm. So like what we were talking about before where you come into somebody who is uncircumcised and you're like, Oh my God, I have like all this skin to play with. Suddenly you're grabbing a dick and you're like, I have no skin to play with. Right. You know? Um, but yeah. I feel like going forward too, and I this is like kind of like an offshoot. But when you're in a sexual sexual experience, we always say communication is key. So like, if you like something, tell your partner that, and totally. then it kind of changes it. You don't have to be like, yeah. "This is what I want," mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z, because obviously that's going to make it very clinical and uncomfortable. But be like, "Oh, that feels good. Keep doing that." Yeah, as simple as that. <laughs> well, I think that's a good pathway for connection in any totally. sexual thing. Is like, for me, this is like a with all people like say you have only had experiences circumcised and you start dating someone that's uncut okay first of all don't make them feel bad about it like yeah you're fucking lucky yeah. if you're in that situation <laughs> <laughs> no but on, like real talk like media like we said in porn like there's a lot of things going against it and you kind of feel like you're going against a curve but like in honesty like i didn't choose to be uncut or cut like it's right choice it's like it's kind of being like born black like i didn't choose it right. so why are you like why are you putting some like weight on it that it doesn't need? Like there's different sizes, looks, girths of all penises. So just accept it is what it is. Especially when we're all born uncut. So (laughs) that's what I was going to say that that's, what's like such an interesting point in what you're saying is like, we are all born uncut. It's just the fact that like our parents have made the decision Mm -hmm. for the most part to circumcise us that like, we have a difference between us, Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, but like naturally speaking, that's what all dicks look like originally. Yeah. And then, like, adding to the communication, just, like, with any sexual partner, like, if you are unsure what to do, ask them. Be like, hey, what feels good? Like, I, this is my first time. Like, don't make him feel uncomfortable. But just be like, is this too far? Is this – because every guy is different. Mm-hmm. Every foreskin, mm-hmm. like, some are very – like, to mine, like, personally, can be 
pulled back all the way. Like when I'm hard, I essentially look circumcised. So 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 she's loose. So she's loose. <laughs> she's a loose ass bitch. She got a loose whopping <laughs> foreskin. But there are some like you mentioned earlier that are really tight that they just yeah. like to leave it all the way up. Mm-hmm. So like it really is all about communication. Mm-hmm. So that's number two. And if there's like a cleanliness thing, then talk to him about it. Be right. like, hey, like it, it's maybe let's wash before. And then there's alternate things. Like I know. Coconut oil is a good thing just for any sexual activity with hmm. like, so adding coconut oil, maybe while you're giving him head, you'll be tasting like fucking almond joys while you suck. <laughs> Cause you know, um, what I do a lot when I'm in a sexual experience where I'm like, okay, maybe we should like clean up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just like, be like, let's go to the shower. You know, it's not like you're dirty, yeah. yeah. but a lot of times, like when you're hooking up, you don't know at what stage they took a shower for yeah. the day. So, and this goes for like relationships too. It's not like hookups, like on the street, mm-hmm. but like even boyfriends where I'm like, you know, we went through a whole day. The moment gets hot and heavy. And then you're like, wait, maybe we should take a shower mm-hmm. instead of making someone feel uncomfortable. Just exactly. be like, Hey, let's take this to the shower. And it could be a moment. And then yeah. you can kind of just wash each other off and then go back to the bedroom. Well, because again, generally speaking, like all dicks eventually smell. It's not like it's only guys who are uncut exactly. have like smelly dicks at some point. Like guys who are cut also smell down there. Yeah. It's just like what you were saying. It's yeah. at what point in the day. And like everybody has to wash their fucking dick, you know, literally. Yeah. That's all I had to say. <laughs> <laughs> I get, um, have you ever passionate. asked your dad or your parents why they decided to keep you on cut? So wait, really quickly, what are your ethnicity? So I'm Mexican-American. Okay. So um, first gen, my dad was born in Mexico, and then my grandpa was actually born here. So my family's gone back and forth. And there's kind of correlations between that, like Mexican-Americans, or I think Latinos. I think you can see in porn, like they tend to be more uncut. Um. Yeah. Speaking my language. <laughs> Mexican churros. <laughs> but yeah, going back to me and my me and my dad barely started talking about it recently. I think as I like turned like 25, I like tried to turn the page of our relationship of like not so much being like that parental role, but trying to be like find like friendship conversations where we could really confide in each other and like understand each other's experiences so it wasn't until recently when i asked him like why he chose to uh not circumcise his children and he actually was very torn i remember he he grew up in compton california and he first realized he was uncut he in like the 60 1969s 70s is when he went to high school and that back then they used to shower so mm. he was really embarrassed and he went to my grandma and he was like why do i look different and she explained to him he was like yeah well you're born the way you're born and that's god's gift and you'll appreciate me later kind of like along those lines mm-hmm. like it's it'll be more pleasurable for you and it's unnecessary mm-hmm. yeah so that was kind of like our his take on it and he kind of learned about it He's at the age group where, like, circumcision was at its peak, which I think was at, like, the 60s and 70s yeah. when, like, they were really pushing it. Back then, I think there was a lot of pressure where doctors wouldn't even ask or they were kind of, like, pressuring people, like, oh, you're going to circumcise, right? right? Versus, like, would you like to? Right. Here's the, right. Here's the cons. Here's the benefits. Right. Da, da, da. They were more, like, it was kind of, like, around the AIDS time where they were just, everyone circumcised to so make sure no one gets mm. Like, this is, like, a cure for it. Exactly. Right. Even though it's really not. So that was our first conversation, and I thought that was very interesting to hear, like, my dad's perspective. And then, yeah, it's kind of been different in our family, too. So we are all have different experiences. Like, his first son, um, his first wife actually circumcised him behind my dad's back. 
and the wife or ex-wife, thank God, but like, <laughs> like had to have a relationship and you circumcise your kid and she, her rebuttal was like, oh, don't be embarrassed just because you're uncut. I want my son to be like, oh my God. It was what? very like, yeah. You're like, bitch, you were sucking that uncut dick. So <laughs> you want to talk shit? <laughs> yeah. But it was along the lines of that. And like, she kind of like put him down for that. Yeah. So I remember mm. when my parents were ready to have children my parents had a conversation about it and my mom was very understandable my brother my my dad came with his like this is my thoughts this is how i feel Mm kind of put everything on the table and my mom was like okay and it was not a big deal that's good yeah so we do talk about it now it's still kind of a taboo thing um like i said earlier about my sister she got her kids circumcised and i talked to her about it she's a nurse and she has her viewpoints about like um I think like UTIs or other yeah. infections, but here's the thing about circumcision. There's like, everything is so small amount. So like most kids aren't going to die. Most kids aren't going to have their dick chopped off during circumcision. So like, I feel like those, those points aren't valid. Right. And mm-hmm. then on the HIV, HPV, um, herpes, the pros of adult life, um, those are so small too. I agree. Yeah. Like you're, you just, Use a condom, and I was gonna say that it's not that's like a big, that's a hundred exactly. Reason. It's like people <laughs> yeah. who use that argument almost are saying that the correlation of uncut causes that. When mm-hmm. realistically, no, unsafe sex causes it. Whether you're cut or uncut, you know, yeah. you cutting your foreskin does not protect you a hundred percent from STDs, from anything, HIV, all mm-hmm. that. So it's like that's it's not like really an argument. Or yeah, less than that. It's like but, you're right. taking anomalies and making them turning that. it into the standard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the standard or like the so common thing. So it still kind of goes along that same. You could tell the parallels where back then medicine used to use like their power to to influence people, mm-hmm. and I think this is a very clear way of like how the medical field has influenced people and still does and people don't get out of that funk unless we have conversations like this where we could generally talk about it like people don't talk about it people that are uncut don't want to talk about it because they feel like they're outnumbered and people that are cut feel like i'm better like mine's mine's clean it's prettier xyz all these reasons of why not everyone feels like that but it's kind of like the and like what's annoying about that too is just because you have a cut dick doesn't make it pretty like your (laughs) dick is probably ugly I've seen some ugly cut dicks. I've before. seen some ugly cut dicks too. I mean, I'm not going to say no to it, but I'm just like, okay. <laughs> wow, that's ugly. Yeah, stick it in my mouth, whatever. <laughs> I'll just close my eyes. Who cares? So it's, it's an interesting conversation in our family. Um, I don't think we all see eye to eye, but I actually appreciate that. I think that's a beauty thing of you should have a choice. Right. And if, you, if you're a parent and you're unsure then do your research and see you weigh everyone's going to have their own ideas of the pros and cons and how that relates to you. If it's regarding your religion or whatever your background is. But my biggest like challenge for everyone is don't do it just because the dad circumcised because mm-hmm. that doesn't make it right. Family, uh, family practice and traditions was one of the reasons listed as to why people do it. Mm-hmm. So it comes from a very, like what you were saying, uneducated place of it's just what they know to be mm-hmm. done. So they do it. Um, And I'll say, like, on my behalf as a circumcised adult, I wish that I was uncircumcised. Just from having been with men who are uncircumcised, I feel like I've had so much sensation taken away from me as an adult because of a decision that was made on my behalf, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Have you asked your parents about that? Like, why did you choose? I haven't. I, I can, like say almost 99 with like 99.9% positivity that 
uh, it was family tradition. Yeah. I know all the men in my family are circumcised. Um, but I didn't ask like a specific reason. Yeah. I should. Coming from the camp of being uncut my whole life. Uncut? Uncut. Sorry, cut. (laughs) Cut. Um, She's verse. I'm verse, yeah. (laughs) Sometimes I I dress it up. I'll I'll put the cape back on. Like, we having a night tonight. (laughs) Do a big reveal. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Coming from the camp of being cut, I never asked my parents why or why not. But I, I assume, like you, Shane, it's just like tradition or what they thought at the time was like what everyone was doing. Uh, but I think personally for me, I don't care one way or another whether I'm cut or uncut. And the same when it comes to like my sexual partner, I don't care um, if you're cut or uncut. And I don't think I ever did care. I don't think that's a thing that I grew into with age of like doing self-discovery or whatever. Like I really didn't care. You know, I, I feel like yeah. it's beyond that for me. Um, but as I get older, yeah, I'm like, let me I think it honestly is because I'm single. <laughs> I'm like, I'll take whatever I can get, okay? Because at this point, if I start making more rules of what I should and shouldn't have, I will be single for another six years. Yeah. Just me, myself, and my plants. <laughs> literally. Oh, my, you guys can see him right now. He's, like, covered by plants. Yeah, like, my all my wall. Literally, oh, my God. Almost every wall has a plant on it. Oh, shit, bitch. I need to get out. But, yeah. Yellow, you know? Um, let's go into, um, a more current topic of sexual experiences. Cause I feel like people love to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a weird sexual experience where you felt like someone might've been like, Oh my God, what do I do? Um, honestly, no, that's good. Yeah, that's good. I've actually had very positive experiences, but I also might go back to me being, oh, I think I'm a good communicator when with sex. So like, I'm not going to be. If they're like jacking me off hard, I'm like, oh, that hurts. Just go slowly. It, mm-hmm. I want to. I'll do in like obviously a sexual tone that right. like fits the scene. Can Can we get an example? <laughs> <laughs> Give us an example. Okay, so let's paint the picture. I I come over, Dom, and I'm like putting my hand down your pants, and then I start like, moving oh, it, just, like, and then it's like a just... little hard. So then now I'm going too hard. What yeah, do you say? Now to you're me? like jacking me off really hard. And yeah. I'm like, Ooh, just a little bit softer. Oh, right there. Put your mouth on it. Yeah. And I'm so like... then I'll like <laughs> make sure they're not like fucking pulling yeah. my shit all the way down that they put their mouth on it. And they kind of just do. And then I look up and I'm like, I love your turtleneck. You got your winter. You got your winter wear on. (laughs) You got a new one. Uniqlo. (laughs) (laughs) Your Uniqlo turtleneck. There's like 20 different ways to say that fucking story. You said said I got this from J. Crew. (laughs) It's all plaid. Collection 2020. (laughs) It has like a literal fur rim on it. (laughs) (laughs) Winter wear. Winter wear. But you've never had a uh, weird sexual experience. I think that's that's, that's really kind of positive. Rare, yeah, I've heard, I've heard a lot of different friends. I've heard bad stories from other friends, whether they're like grossed out by them or they were grossed out by the dick. And it, like I said, everything comes down to communication. Sure. And I'm biased because I have a pretty dick. So, <laughs> like I, I I think people I've hooked up with didn't even know I was uncut. Because mm-hmm. usually if I'm hard by that time, my skin's already back. Mm-hmm. So yeah. girls, you already you already throw it back. She already throw it back. <laughs> She threw the package back. She's ready to go. Um, I'm here. So most people, honestly, especially if you're circumcised and like aren't even knowledge about it, I guarantee you wouldn't even know the difference. Yeah. You only know when I'm not hard and she looking small and shriveled. <laughs> she got a little shrimp turned that. <laughs> Shane, have you ever had situations like that? Um, I've had an ex who, uh, from initial hookup, I knew had bad experiences oh, really? um, because he was uncircumcised. So the first time that I touched his dick, 
um like skin to skin he was like he stopped and he's like oh there's that and he was it was there was almost this sense of shame to it oh i hate that and i, I know, and i literally in my too. like out loud i was like are you kidding me this is like a bonus for me like i'm over here sniffing out the schmegma like, <laughs> <laughs> she already got the toast in the toaster <laughs> she's like we eating good tomorrow for breakfast <laughs> um no, but I was like, I was like, oh my god, no, no, no. like I love it, you know, whatever. Yeah. And but from there you're on, you're like a rare person, especially to vocalize that. Yeah. Even if you yeah. are into it, like most people, they give the opposite reaction. Yeah, and there's a yeah. lot of shame behind it. But it, yeah, and it made me kind of sad for him because yeah. I was like, what sort of interactions or encounters has he had before that made him feel that shame with me? And right. I didn't even do anything. I literally touched it, and he was the first to say it. I think to kind of save face in case I didn't know what to do or didn't exactly. like it. Um, and that made me like sad for him because I was like, wait, that's like so natural though, yeah. you know. So adding on to that, I know a friend who was on like Scruff, and like on their someone's bio, he was like messaging him. They're going back and forth. They're sending photos. If you don't know what Scruff is, it's just like Grinder, but for and Grinder. If you don't know Grinder, it's just like a dating hookup app in yeah. essence. Yeah. Quick, so quick, they're quick like sending pictures, exchanging about the blah blah blah. He thought he was super cute, so obviously it wasn't his looks. And then he was like, "Are you cut or uncut?" Because I don't. I like the guy was like, "I don't do uncut." And my friend was uncut, so he didn't like. And Damn. I, well, my friend was very like, "Well, fuck you, you're lost." hundred like, percent. Yeah, I don't. Uh-huh. I, that would have been it's my the same type of people on the gay apps that are like, no femmes, no no blacks, no Asians, no Asian. or right. whatever, whites only, or right. whatever. Like, fuck those people. You should not be hooking up with these people. I agree. Or teach them a lesson. Be like, you're fucking close minded. Like, yeah, wake the fuck up. Because that that same person that is like no to cut dick no to uncut dick is probably putting a whole bunch of other nasty shit up in their body to even say that an uncut dick isn't worth it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, bitch, you probably had like some fucking cucumbers in your asshole. Probably like a proactive bottle. I don't know. Like, (laughs) whatever. Well, you know how proactive kind of is like a cute little shape. We got all our sponsors. (laughs) Uniqlo, proactive, call us. Uh, J. Crew, what's up? J. Crew, what's up? (laughs) When I'm like, I don't use any of those brands. (laughs) I need like Home Depot I know. <laughs> to be a sponsor for all my plants. <laughs> the nursery, the plant nursery. <laughs> exactly, Miss Keller. For real, though. I don't think I've ever had a bad experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't had experiences where before, you know, like we flirt and it goes that direction of like maybe hooking up. They would say something like, well, I'm uncut, just so you know. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. You know. And regardless, with that said, you should be cleaning your dick whether it's oh, cut or please. uncut. <laughs> all right, Dom. So just to round out this episode... Did you want to say, like, your top three takeaways as a listener of, like, what it was the most important thing we talked about? Sure. So, um, first thing I'm going to say is communication. I think there's communication with your sexual partner, communication with your parents, and then just communication regarding uh, – and having communication or, like, talking to friends about it and yeah. making everyone feel comfortable with – foreskin or not foreskin. i agree i feel there's like no pros or cons i mean there's pros and cons but like you're already either you're already circumcised or you're not so like right. it is what it is so and, and like, it's like mental health for me you know what i mean like when you're going through a depression it's like yeah talk about it yeah, exactly. so that you're not alone not that it's that serious with foreskin yeah. but do you know what i mean it's like yeah who gives a shit and i think the more people talk about it, the more you realize more people are uncut and it's not like crazy mm-hmm. exactly yeah so communication is key um education I think it's important. Is this number two? This is number two. Okay. <laughs> Education is the second one. So if you don't know what it is, then learn about it. Like we are so privileged to have internet and so many um, resources resources around us. 
utilize it. Like, learn about it. There's uh, American Circumcision on Netflix. So if you don't want to read, you could watch it while you're quarantined and whatnot. Um, my opinion on that is a little, like, it's some things are far, far fetched. It's a little propaganda-like. So take everything, like like anything, though. Take everything with a grain of salt and just take what you want from it. Third thing is um, clean your dick. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's cut or uncut, bitch. No one likes a smelly dick. Yeah, like, that's it's like brushing your teeth. <laughs> it's, it really is like, do you go every day? You brush your teeth twice a day. Okay, wash your dick twice a day. And a tip if you are uncut, like pull that skin back when you're peeing so it doesn't get pee on your foreskin. Like mm-hmm. there's just little things in life that you'll just figure it out. It's not that serious. <laughs> I'm so dead. <laughs> Pull your skin back. Clean what? that shit. No, that's good. So, I think that should have been number one. Yeah, <laughs> they, they weren't in order. Number three is the real most important. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think nothing in life is that serious. Like, it's kind of like a funny topic. I think that we're having today. But I would like. I'm glad we're having this conversation because I think there's so many things in life that we just accept face value. It is what it is. But that doesn't make it right. Like right. racism mm-hmm. and slavery at one time was normalized by society and it is, and it was wrong. Right. You can't just keep going with the, with the waves just because that's how it was. Like we're better than that. Yeah. Shane, did you want to add any last talking point? Because I know you love that foreskin. Destigmatize the schmegma is my takeaway. Yeah. Schmegma toast. And I guess we'll end on this note. Foreskin 2020. (laughs) (laughs) So as we wrap up this episode, we always like to end each episode with an in-season. And in-season for us is just something that we've taken interest in for the week, the month, the year, anything. It could be serious. It can be silly. Anything that you want to share with the listeners as something that you took interest in. So to give you some time to think about it, I'm going to have Shane start us off. Cool. Uh, so this week for me is actually a book that I haven't started because I just got it in the mail yesterday. Um, but it's a book that was recommended to me by a close friend. Um, David Gromick, I'll give him a shout out. Uh, the book is called What Color Is Your Parachute? And he recommended it to me because I feel like in taking a three and a half month leave from work, I'm sort of reevaluating if this job is something I want to continue on with long term. Um, and this book is uh, actually named by Time uh, as one of the all time 100 best nonfiction books. Um Amazon says, like, with more than 10 million copies sold in 28 countries, uh, it's one of the world's most popular job search books. Um, And it has, like, a correlating workbook that you fill out, like, as you go through the book. And it helps answer a lot of, like, internalized questions that you have about potential jobs or career changes. And because that's something that's of interest to me right now, I'm excited to start it. Girl, I need to use that book, bitch. Mm -hmm. How much was that? Uh, For the book and the workbook, it was 25 total. So the book itself was 15. The workbook was 10. And give give the listeners the title of the book one more time. Yeah, it's called What Color Is Your Parachute? I got the 2020 edition because they have a few editions of it. Um, and it's by Richard N. Bowles, I believe. B-O-L-L-E-S. Why don't you open your workbook tomorrow? It's all filled out. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, all my shit. it's on sale for $9.99. <laughs> Um, he did say, David was telling me, because he, he's gone through both of these, and he was like, the workbook isn't essential, like, if you buy this, but 
for people who are a little more visual and like to see things written out which is um, totally you yeah yeah for sure he was like i would recommend it yeah, yeah. cool i yeah. need it i that's a really good in season i need to fucking check that shit out <laughs> um okay so for me i had an in season but then i was like wait from what you just said kind of like inspired me um because that's a lot of self-discovery and self-work mm-hmm. and so i i feel like i didn't bring this up correct me if i'm wrong shane from a previous episode but my in season this week and i gave the same um advice to someone else who kind of was in a similar pickle but i as you guys know i always jokingly um joke about my sex life and like my relationships and how i'm single and blah 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 blah. well a couple weeks ago before this quarantine i was like having a conversation with my therapist and we haven't talked in a long time like i stopped therapy last year in november and then i decided to go back to her in the beginning of march because i kind of was going through like this really weird funk about like my love life and she was like, okay, well, let's do an exercise. And the exercise was, I am with, and then it was like, dot, dot, dot. And what she said, she's like, I want you to close your eyes and visualize mm. the person that you're with. And she's like, I don't want you to like have a broad open spectrum of like, I'm with a guy who is makes me laugh. I'm with a guy who, you know, cooks me breakfast. She's like, I want you to do specific things that you guys will be doing, right? Where it's like, I'm laughing at this person because they said this da 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 like super detailed i know that was a bad example but do you get what i'm saying where it was like i'm literally as if i'm watching a movie of me and this person because she's like what you need to do is she she told me and i agree that i'm very good at um actualization like visualizing things and manifesting it to where it becomes real and she's like that's what you need to do is see yourself in these relationships so that when you're actually in these situations you know exactly what you're looking for and she's like it will go hand in hand once you see yourself Like, it's almost like when people want to go somewhere in a successful place, right? Where they're like, oh, I see myself as a top CEO or this and that. And they see what job they're at and this and that. And then it starts actually happening. It's the same thing. You're manifesting it. Manifesting, yeah. Yeah. And I I don't think I ever took it in that that way for my love life. Because, yes, that's exactly what I do for the rest of every other realm of my life mm-hmm. when it comes to like financial goals and like career goals and stuff like that. But like with my love life, it always felt so far fetched. And like, I was a very passive person in my love life and that she challenged me to be an active role in my love life and really paint those pictures. So when I was still flying a ton, uh, working a flight from JFK to LA, I had a ton of time and I was like falling asleep because there was like no one on the plane. I wasn't actually falling asleep, but I was like, you know, getting really tired. And I was like, yeah. let me actually do this exercise. And it took me four hours to like write this out And it was so uplifting because I like felt so joyous about reading what I was experiencing as if I already experienced it. And it gave me like a really positive outlook on my love life when normally I'm just like, ugh, when is it going to happen for me? And it, even though nothing has changed, my world has changed. You know what I mean? So if you want to take a look at that, and if you're listening and you think that we could be compatible, (laughs) (laughs) you always search it. Girl, manifestation. (laughs) I got to manifest it. Um, Look at my (laughs) pod baiting for real. Um, Look at my Instagram. And um, one of my highlight stories is called I am. And it's just like a dissertation of things I'm looking for in a relationship or a partner. And I want you to read it because whether you are that person or you know someone who could be that person, shout out, bitch, slide into them DMs. Let me, let me manifest this fucking love during Do like a giveaway like tag three friends you get a free <laughs> you get a free subscription you get a free sticker <laughs> <laughs> so yeah for me uh my end season for the week is manifesting my love life cool. yes bitch what about you dom give us give us a give us the good all right so i am overly prepared because you know i'm never gonna be here again probably so i brought three bitch <laughs> yes. so um they're kind of like Simple things that I think could be relevant to everyone in quarantine. But if you watch this later, these are all really good things I've been into. So I recently just finished this book called When Breath Becomes Air by Paul 
Kalanithi. I don't even know how to say that. K-A-L-A-N-I-T-H-I. It is about a neurosurgeon who gets uh, cancer at right before he's about to finish his residency. Literally, wow. he's in school. He's like 38, rare cancer, and his life just flips upside down. Like, imagine doctors especially is like a – they are in the hospital. It just talks about a lot of things and like his revelation and just talking about death in general, which I think is like something – we don't talk about enough mm-hmm. and it's something we're all going to experience. It's something I think in a culture we just avoid. And I felt really inspired by talking about death and I think it's just healthy and it helped me not necessarily like I'm near death, but you never know when your death is. Yeah. So I think it's important. It gives you like a good perception and it was a good kind of perception of sacrifices doctors go through. Cause we always kind of look at them at like a privileged perspective of, Oh, they're just rich. They drive these nice ass cars, but like neurosurgeons, like or like just doctors in general, tend to be really like selfless people, and mm-hmm. they deal with a lot of bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we really give them enough credit. So it was kind of an interesting perspective about that, and just him going through death. And this like, is based on a true story. This is his. He wrote this. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Before, yeah. I'm not gonna say the anything else. Cool. <laughs> so number two is a Netflix series. Well, it's actually only four episodes, but it's called Unorthodox. Unorthodox. I knew you were gonna <laughs> say, say that. Did you already say it in a previous video? No, no, but oh my God. but when you said okay. four part. First of all, bitch, this shit is amazing. <laughs> it really it's only is. Four episodes. Um, I wish they do a second season. But I don't mm-hmm. think they're going. I don't to. think so. Uh, kind of defeats the purpose because it's not supposed to be like a drama. It's right. kind of like, okay, so if you don't know what it is, it's about the Hasidic Jewish community in um, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Um, there are Orthodox Jews who have a really, how do I word it? <laughs> Strict way of living. Strict way of yeah. living. Thank you. I'm not trying to put like uh, a negative Western, connotation. Like, yeah. Ideas but it's just them. a very strict way of living. It's a strict very way of living. And it's pretty much, it's not a true story. It's about a girl who escapes and she goes to Berlin. It is a true story. Oh, it is. The girl, oh, one oh. of the girls who helped, um, oh shit. We'll have to put this in, in, uh, fruit facts, but I believe the girl who either helped write the story or who helped, um, direct or produce it. Um, she wrote an actual book based on her life and she's yes, 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 yes. all of the main characters kind of based off of her story. Yes. Yeah. So based on a true story. So right. check that out on Orthodox. So check that out. Oh my God. That was so interesting. It really and is. I think what was most interesting for me is that I live in Silver Lake and in like Beverly Hills area, there is like an Orthodox Jewish community and you see them with like the, I forget what they're called. I know. Check I me. forget. Um, the ring that curls. The sideburns that curls yeah. kind of thing. And they're like old way of dressing. And I was like, I have never questioned like their culture and anything and that's it i wasn't coming from like a place of judgment but i've just seen them my whole life yeah. and I never once like took the initiative to like research and like mm-hmm. what their cultural is and like blah 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 so i thought that was just really interesting it was very very informative yeah. and there's actually a documentary D- yeah. about it too and it's worth watching so i don't remember what that is so add that to the end of the podcast because <laughs> two things from netflix that you should definitely watch so they're both regarding orthodox jews and then my last thing is just something quick. It's just a YouTube video. So these are all great things to do during quarantine. Uh, it is called, it's from the New York Times series, Almost Famous. And this is uh, like, a, I think it was like a 14 minute YouTube video. Uh, it's called, I was in the Black Eyed Peas, then I quit. Did you guys know that there was someone before um, Fergie? Mm-mm. So she was a black girl named Kim Hill. 
and I don't want to give it all away, but it was originally a black group. Hmm. And she quit in 2001. Oh, Black Eyed Peas. Uh, she quit Black Eyed Peas. I don't want to give you like the juicy details. No, I mean, like, I wonder if that's where the name came from. If they were a black group, like Black Eyed, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't think know. they already had the name before they added her. She was oh, okay. like singing in a club and I think um, Apple D. Apple, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, he found her and asked her to join the group because mm. they wanted like huh. a female vocalist. Anyways, American uh, view on music happened mm. and she ended up quitting and then they hired Fergie. And then now they're like, and then she like witnessed them like blow up right, wow. right behind her. So uh, she talks so beautifully. Um, I was just like really inspired by like a 14 minute video. So All right, cool. you can find that on YouTube. It really like just inspired me. Her, her, her it, she gives like a good insight of like everything happens for a reason. Right. And, but like she worded it so humbly and she was not at all resentful that she wasn't famous mm. she was actually more just she had she was full of gratitude and yeah. she was just i am where i'm supposed to be i trust this and i'm okay and i she took the right decision to take herself out of that situation because of how she felt and her own like morals right and i love that especially like a woman of color yeah who could stand for that and she's not famous and she's okay with that and i thought it was just like a cool series so yeah, awesome. I love that. You did come in with the... the prepared. Bring me back, bring me back. <laughs> bring me back. Bring me back. So I guess that wraps it up. As always, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you like this episode or any previous episode, the best gift you can do is share, rate, review, like, all of the above. If you want to reach out to us with any questions, please reach us on Instagram at... Fruit Snacks Pod. And if you want to email us, you can email us at... Fruit Snacks Pod at gmail.com. And then if you want to know what Dom is up to, Dom, you want to drop your Instagram handle? Sure. It's at Dominic Yepes. Spell it out. D-O-M-I-N-I-C. And then Yepes, Y-E-P-E-Z. And we're also going to add his um, Instagram handle down into the comments. Um, if you just scroll up on the iPod... Um, app was there anything you wanted to add before we round out this episode shane no thank you for being here yeah. it's, it's yeah, so exciting fun. to like have you on me. yeah yeah, this is yeah. A good time. and then dom anything you wanted to add no this is so fun thanks for having me i think you guys have like such a cool platform um i've actually been listening for a while in the beginning it was a little shaky um, brian was getting me into it i was like okay but now i honestly watch religiously I, I it's usually on my commutes and stuff so i really enjoy it and i think you're talking about things that a lot of people aren't talking about and especially being uh, queer people i just love it and you guys are fucking sassy and vulgar and i love it and obviously people love it too because that's why they're listening thanks thank you that's so sweet love you too okay well we'll catch you guys (laughs) next week on fruit snacks and as always foreskin 2020 (laughs) (laughs) bye guys Hey guys, all right, bitches. We got so many freaking fruit facts to fact check this episode because Dom loved to just throw out all this information that he had no, no clue what it is about. So I'm going to be reading quite a few facts that we need to go over. Um, bear with me. I'm probably going to butcher all of these facts as we go through them, but you know, you can cheer me on as I try to make my way through this. So the first thing is when did circumcision start? Um, there are multiple storylines or timelines for circumcisions, but, um, from the, from the research I found, I try to limit it into about the same kind of timeline or storyline, but, uh, according to CIRP.org, um, circumcision originated in Eastern Africa far before the biblical account of Abraham. At first, it was used to purify the man and sacrifice their sins by removing the body of sinful pleasure, hence cutting off the foreskin as a sacrifice of uh, sinful human enjoyment. 
Um, so pretty much they used circumcision just so that it wasn't as pleasurable. Um, the Jews adopted the circumcision as a religious ritual and preserved this prehistoric practice into modern times. And then modern um, use of Hebrew circumcision as a medical practice dates from about 1865 in England and about 1870 in the U.S., the procedure accepted for medical use essentially was from the Jews, um, but reports say that circumcision was imposed in an attempt to prevent masturbation. So then again, going forward, we uh, we talked about the Philippines, and we were questioning when it was co colonized and by who. So for the past 200 years, the Philippines has either been a colony of or was colonized by three other nations, first by Spain from 1565 to 1898, then the United States of America from 1898 to 1941, and then Japan from 1941 to 1945. During Fruit Facts, or uh, not Fruit Facts, what was it? In Season... Dom brought up watching Unorthodox, and Shane said it was a true story, and it is. The story is based on Deborah Feldman's 2012 memoir, Unorthodox, The Scandalous Rejection of Hasidic Roots. And you can find that four-part series on Netflix. We question what the curls were called for Hasidic Jews, and one curl, singular, is peyote, and plural for the curls is called peyos. And then lastly, there is another Jewish um, Netflix special that Dom recommended watching, and it is called One of Us. And again, it is on Netflix with unorthodox Jews. So if you do have time during this quarantine season and you want to learn a little bit about someone else's lifestyle or get a little more insight on a different way of life, he recommends to check those both out. Um I'm actually surprised I made it through that quite easily because as I was practicing that, that did not come out as clear as it just did. But as always, thank you guys so much for listening and we will check you guys next week on Fruit Snacks. Take care.